All right, hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. It's Sunday. I'm your host, Jason Napolitano, and on the line, I have Mr. Chris Sheridan. How are you today, sir? I'm relaxed. After a, a harrowing event yesterday <laughs> with a nest of ants, carpenter ants, that oh, wow. attacked me as I was restoring this windowsill for an old house. So Good times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... well, you know, it's behind me now. Uh... And, uh yeah, moving forward. So, well, hopefully, hopefully, you know, we don't have to use uh, use the topic that we're talking about today, which is mysticism and mental healing, too much. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't tear you up too bad, did they? Uh, no, I'm good. I actually okay. used uh, some principles in this pamphlet. <laughs> All right, to recover. Excellent. So All right, we'll so we'll get, we'll get we'll get into <laughs> that in a moment. Uh, thank you for joining us. It is uh, our Sunday show that we do each week. Uh, of course, you can join us as well for our Friday show, our Emmett Fox Friday show, which is a little shorter. Uh, in our Sunday shows, we tend to focus um, a little bit more on the esoteric and go a little more deeply into these different subjects. Oftentimes, we're getting into uh, Manly Hall. We use a lot of his work, draw from his work. And, and today, of course, we're going to be doing that. We're looking at his pamphlet, I give him from a series of talks. This is uh, called the search for reality. This is actually part eight of a series of pamphlets and a series of talks. This one's called mysticism and mental healing. Uh, if you want to get the whole series of all of these, you can get search for reality, uh, Manly Hall, just uh, Google that, or, you know, I think you can get it through PRS or on Amazon, uh, PRS.org. Maybe that's up. Is that up there on theirs, on their bookstore? I don't think so. I think that's actually, it might be on one they don't have. Yeah. You can get the individual pamphlets, pamphlets or th these were lectures. These are a series of 10 lectures over a two-year period mm -hmm. that he curated into this search for reality, lectures on personal growth. That uh, I guess at the time he thought this would together make a, you know, like we talked about last week mm -hmm. and with this week, a different aspect. Of, you know, one is the blind spot in the mind. One is basic fears and how to correct them. Uh, just different ways of looking at ourselves and personal growth Yeah, uh, from a very practical application of what, as we're going to get into, are very esoteric and mystic topics. Exactly. Good, good way to put that. Um, that uh, it's like I said, the, the, so, the, so you can get these individually, like Chris said, and I think those are available at PRS as well. Um, or, you can, or you can try to do a search for the book, Search for Reality, which has all of them in different parts collected together into book form which, as Chris said, is out of print now. So, All right, so let's get into this. Um, well, first, actually, thank you, everyone who is supporting the show. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, if you can, please help uh, keep us doing, you know, keep us on the, on the air, as it were, and help us to, you know, get the show out to more people uh, by supporting us through anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. Uh, of course, you can read our books as well, purchase our books. That helps us out a, a great deal. Chris's book is, if uh, excuse me, is The Spirit in the Sky. Mine is, if you can worry, you can meditate. All right, that's out of the way. Mysticism and mental healing. I'm going to just start out with a little of Manly Hall's uh, words from the, from the opening section of this because he really sets this up nicely and it will get us moving right in the right direction. Nature is always finding ways to tell us of her laws and purposes, and she is also constantly reminding us through the consequences of our own actions when we have violated some essential principle which the universe has decreed to be right and proper. This is especially true in the area of health problems. There are many ways we can consider the problem of sickness, but I think we must assume in the final analysis, that a very large part of sickness is due to abnormal policies that we set up in ourselves. As long as our world as it is, and we are constantly exposed to pressures that are unnatural and, in terms of life itself, unreasonable, we're bound to have a certain amount of health problem. No matter how carefully or wisely we live, I presume a certain part of health problems will be with us for a long, long time. There are, however, many ways we can assist and cooperate with nature to reduce the seriousness of the physical burdens that we all seem to have to bear. All right, so it, it really is setting up this whole first section of this book, which we're going to talk about. Um, and he talks about, you know, really how life in general, if we live it more naturally and more in harmony with the natural world and with the spiritual principles that underlie it, our actual sort of 
being is 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 in line with that natural health uh that the that the world is is kind of giving us for, for lack of a better word what happens is um we get out of harmony with the natural balance with the natural order of things through tensions through mental you know issues through through different you know technological advances that are meant to help us but end up kind of hindering us and and so on uh so you know that's one of the challenges so he he believes and i i completely agree with him i imagine you do as well that our natural state is is to be healthy it's just that we get out of order you know mentally spiritually physically we get out of order with that natural healthy balance or order that we're supposed to be in uh, which is kind of a, that's a different way of looking at things than we would look at in our normal sort of modern life, isn't it? Well, it is. And we seem to now think that sicknesses and ailments and conditions and isms uh, are rampant. And it's this constant battle to try to fight them all off. Um, like as if that's the natural order. Yeah. Um, you know, every ache and pain, everything like that. And I think, you know, I really like what he's, he's getting at is that it's it's not that you are unhealthy you are in an unhealthy state because you're just out of balance and in the indian ayurvedic medicine there are you know channels or the humors uh, through which uh, you might have fire i think or wind uh, being another function and it's just that they're out of whack uh, you might have too much of one and not enough of the other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a matter of operating the flow of these energies. And most of them are thought energies, mental energies, emotions, and deep feelings and beliefs uh, and inconsistencies that we find in the outer material world. Uh, and then we try to, OK, I'm going to try to be happy now because I'm <laughs> you're all off kilter with all these things thrown at you. It's like, wait a minute, it's all these things and your reaction to these things. This really got you off balance. So it's a balancing act to get into harmony again, which is the normal state. So you're returning to this harmonious state yeah. uh, of healthfulness, wholeness, because health and wholeness, uh, we're not as fragmented and divided and you know picked apart by all the things that come up in the day, that there's an underlying unity and wholeness um, to ourselves. And that's an approach to healing that I think this nicely explores. Yeah. And it's, it really is a, it's a, it's a bit different. And in some ways it's the polar opposite of the way we think. I mean, I, I feel like most of the time um, when I say we, I mean, in general, in the, you know, in the Western world, mostly, you know, in the United States, um, you know, I think that we we tend to just take it for granted that there's that these all of these sicknesses and illnesses and germs and all of these things out there that are trying to get us all the time, and we're hoping that science can come up with these miraculous treatments to protect us from all these sort of demonic you know threats that are out there almost to our health. But really, the greatest threat you know is within ourselves because we live out of harmony with both the earth and, you know, the spiritual world, we're out of harmony with the divine, you know, and that sets us up for misery and it sets us up for sickness. And, you know, you think about it too, when he talks about the, the natural, it's one, one of these things, an example of it's kind of living harmoniously and naturally. It's just think about your diet, right? And he talks about how health is created by proper relation to, to nature, to life, right? Um, and then he speaks of sickness as, as due to, quote unquote, abnormal policies, abnormal policies. I love that. And, it, you know, it just reminds me of like, for example, like the way we eat, you know, you're not going to walk around in nature and find a bag of Doritos. You know, you're not going to find a, uh, some some MSG filled Chinese food from Panda Express, you know, in a in a in a 64 ounce, uh, you know, sugar-filled, caffeine-fueled drink hanging from a tree. Uh, so, you know, it, it's almost like one of these, like if you think about it on, a, on, that, on that kind of level, just on the level of health in terms of 
our diet, for example, it's really not as complicated as we make it. You know, we get so obsessed with these different diets and following this and following that and this food's healthy and that food's unhealthy and and all that. Some of it is, it's valuable. I'm not saying it's not valuable, but generally speaking, if you just eat more natural foods, the less processed they are, the better they are for you. And so that means basically at the grocery store, all the stuff on the outside and not the stuff on the aisles is where you want to go. Basically that's how they have the grocery store set up. Everything that's good for you, mostly, Mostly everything that's good for you is on the outside. It's not on the inside of the aisles. So you go up and down the aisles, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're getting in all the processed food. The further the, to the back of the store and to the sides of the store that you get, you know, where the wall, against the walls, that's where your fruits and vegetables are. That's where your, you know, your, 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 your meats are and such, your dairy, you know, and different things like that, it's, which may or may not be as healthy as they could be. But definitely the less processed foods are on the outside. So, you know, you think about it that way, it's like just being more in touch with the natural world, specifically like in your diet, the less processed it is, the closer it is to its natural state that food is, generally speaking, the healthier it is, right? So the, the template's there. It's like, just do what the earth is doing for the most part, and you'll be pretty healthy. I mean, I think, you know, it's, so it's not, it's not that complicated. So in essence, he's saying that, you know, in a, you know, and I use that just as, as, as one example, as one example. But, you know, you think about like um, just the balance of life. Um, you know, one thing he talks about, it makes a great point to, to elucidate how tension is such a killer. And so and, and, and stress is such a challenge in our modern world. And he even talked about I like how he talked about. Uh, one of his friends, I think, that was counseling with him or someone that was speaking to him about, about tension and stress. The guy was so, like, stressed out all the time that he got some kind of a sedative from a doctor. And he, was, and he finally got some relaxation, and he wasn't worried and wasn't stressed out, and the guy thought he was dying. And Manly Hall was like, you're not dying. You know, you're, that's just what it is to be without stress for a moment. He was so frightened by, you know, he was in such a state of panic all the time. He didn't even understand what it was to be relaxed. And, and you well, think about it, Well, he even right? says that, um, we've, he says here on page two, we have lived with tension so long that we hardly realize anymore that it is tension. It's true. You know, it, yeah. it's, a, it's an accepted state. So, of course, it's going to be uncomfortable when you're not in this state of tension and stress and panic. Because that's become normalized. Mm-hmm. It's become standardized. It's become absolutely and then, the baseline. And then the apotheosis of that is when you see uh, someone that, for example, is, is suffering from PTSD and they say they come back from war um, and they lived at such a high level of fight or flight for so long. Their system is so taxed and it's been running at such a crazy rate for so long that it's stuck. And it's creating massive amounts of anxiety and massive amounts of, of, of panic and things like that. And you know what I mean? The system is so stressed out that it can't even go down into neutral. It's as if your car is stuck in like high gear, you, you know what I mean? And so it, a lot of us kind of, you know, do take that for granted that even, you know, not coming, not having PTSD and not coming out of such a dramatic situation, but just the stress of day-to-day life can put us into that kind of a mindset. And so he talks a lot about, you know, just creating a more contemplative, more relaxed state of mind. And again, this is kind of where, and we're going to talk more about this uh, a bit later, but this is where the idea of mysticism comes into this, you know, and so let's talk a little bit about that. You know, we, we, we do use the word uh, at times and people may have heard the word and, you know, may kind of a basic idea of what it is. But we'll just kind of define what we're talking about when we say, you know, mysticism, just so people can know. And I'll, I'll start and then, you know, you can follow up. So mysticism in, in my mind and, and add to this, please. But um, mysticism in my mind is, is a more direct approach to the divine. It's a direct to God, it's an experience of the divine versus, you know, studying a scripture or, you know, attending church or something like this, which are part of mysticism. But the mystic goes beyond that to that actual experience and that contemplation of God and that sort of direct understanding. 
Um, that's that's my understanding, and I'm oversimplifying, but that's the basic way that I'm I'm using it. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, the subtitle to the original lecture from which this was derived: mysticism mm -hmm. and mental healing, health as an experience of consciousness. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that's this mystical, it's in your consciousness. It's very experiential. I think as you were getting at, uh, it's not so much what's written on the paper and you have to believe in something. Yeah. Um, you do. There are words and there are things to believe and, and have faith. Uh, but the value of mysticism is the experience. And for the most part, it is an experience of consciousness. You know, a mystical experience doesn't necessarily mean that you know the clouds open up and the angels hark and herald and sing and uh you know the light shines down and, and lifts you up that may happen and it does um but a, you know a mystical experience is something that really you have in your own inner life in your own consciousness of something better something greater something healthier <laughs> something yeah. more divine than maybe what's in front of us and things kind of click into place and you go, oh, okay, I, I see this now. I see this in a whole new light, as they say. Um, that's a little bit more of what, and it's something that you actively have to participate with. Um, but it doesn't have to be, you know, biblical and, you know, this grandiose uh, mystical vision or something. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can be in a, a small sense, uh, but, but it is an experience. It's not just an idea. It's like you, you know it because you did it. You know yeah. what this food tastes like because you ate it, not you talked about it and researched it. Oh, that's a good way to put it. it. Yeah, yeah. I almost, I almost was thinking, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the idea of, you know, in, in my mind, a, a mystic is almost like a, a spiritual scientist or researcher. You know, you've got this idea, you've got this hypothesis, you know, you've studied the scripture and you've done your work and, you know, you've, you've listened to the, to the sermons and so on, and you've learned from the, the great teachers and so on. But, at the, but that's not enough for you. You're taking those things and then testing those things out and finding out how they, how they operate in, 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 within you and in your life and, and sort of putting them to the test. And so when, you know, when, when principles are given, you're actually trying to, to live those principles out. So if they're telling you, you know, you need to, you know, have loving kindness in your heart, for example, you're really genuinely trying to do that. So in a, in a way it's like almost like mysticism is, is almost like more of an attitude or a kind of way of being as it is, uh, you know, any kind of doctrine or any kind of, you know, specific beliefs, although it does have beliefs and it does have principles but there are mystics. This is what's interesting about mysticism. There are mystics across the realm of different religions. And this is where, generally speaking, when you start doing comparative work and you start seeing people really agreeing on a lot of these fundamental perennial, perennial ideas, and you begin to see this, this um, underlying esoteric wisdom, it's in mysticism where you really see that. You know, I think that more exoteric religion more um, sort of church, mosque, temple-oriented religions tend to stress the differences more, whereas mystics tend to stress the similarities and the unity of man and the unity of religions. And again, I'm oversimplifying, but I just wanted to kind of lay that out as a foundation because we're, we're using that term mystical and, and, uh, and mysticism, of course, and it's in the title of this book, Mysticism and Mental Healing, or the title of this pamphlet. Uh, okay, so one thing I want to say just really quickly, because this is such a fantastic little saying. It's completely out, off topic of what I was just discussing, but Manley Hall says in this book on page uh, five, he said, we can be inoculated against everything but our own stupidity. We can be inoculated against everything but our own stupidity. And I think that really kind of sums up a lot of, in a lot of ways, what he's, what he's talking about, because really the whole first portion of this pamphlet, and I think one of the important things that is, is really, you know, weigh, weighing on me that I want to share. And that I think is, is an important thing is how, how much of our own power that we give away in terms of our own health. Um, you know, and, and there's a, there's a sort of, 
you know, Manley Hall talked about it before science kind of took over and before, you know, big medicine and big pharma and stuff were even things, um, you know, that people were expected to sort of run their own lives and run them with a sort of measure of common sense. So you are responsible for your own health. And that's a more mystical approach because you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're looking at things and you're experimenting and you're, you're thinking of yourself in, in harmony with, with the universe. And you're looking at the principles, what you're thinking about, how you're feeling, what you're eating, you know, what type of exercise you're getting. Are you, you know, how's your spiritual life? You're looking at all the different elements of your life and you're watching and experimenting and seeing what works and what doesn't. That's what common sense is, what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, and today at the drop of a hat, if we've got insurance, you know, we're running off to the doctor to try to get some pill or get some advice. And it's like, you know, it may just be that, you know, we need to adjust our, our attitude about something, you know, we might have the stomach pains or whatever, because of some, you know, we feel nervous about something that's coming up, or we may feel guilty about something that we've done, and we need to try to make amends to someone, you know, you can't, you know, drug that away. You know what I mean? Well, I do. Well, drugs didn't really cause the problem. So I don't know how a pill is going to solve it. Exactly. Um, and what he does, he kind of diagnoses or he goes through, you know, what is it that's making us and how is it? Uh, what are the types of things and how do these things work in such a way that make us sick? And he goes on to say that grief, anger, even suspicion and criticism are all normal parts of life yeah. in a situation or in an emergency or for a small period of time. You, you should be suspicious if you get an email from some king from, you know, Namibia who, <laughs> you know, wants to, you know, <laughs> all you got to do is send his... in your social security number and your pin number and you're a millionaire, you know. Yeah. You should be suspicious of that. You should <laughs> criticize some things that maybe don't work for, yeah. you know, so well in your life. Exactly. It's good to have a critical attitude. Sure, Grief, sure. grief is natural, you know, exactly. anger. Something should fire you up and go, wait a minute, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to yeah. find a better way. Uh, but when they become chronic, chronic, like you were talking about PTSD, where it, it goes beyond this 51%, yeah, uh, yeah. where now it has uh, precedence and weight in your life. Uh, beyond, you know, maybe what's good and what's healthy. And it tends to dominate, then it gets repeated. It becomes a habit of thinking. Um, but a lot of times you're talking about running to the doctor with the, you know, some of these things that we go to the doctor for could be very natural emotional difficulties. Like, you know, if your teenager is isolating and angry at you and out, has outbursts, well, I don't know. They're teenagers. I mean, yeah. it's like I wouldn't. I wouldn't run to the doctor just yet. Just maybe. You know, well, yeah. And, give it and, a year and looking at exactly. And we talked about that before. And I think that's such a great point. It's like we're taking these natural things in life that we used to just know from common sense were just a phase. For example, like oh, you know, a, a, like a a young boy has a lot of energy and doesn't like to sit at a desk and has a, you know, and, and wants to play as opposed to sitting there doing his schoolwork. Wow. That's a new thing. I've never heard of that. We definitely need to give him, give him some drugs to, to keep, you know, to get him focused because he's certainly got ADD. And again, not to say that no one has ADD, but my point is it's like, we're, we're taking some natural occurrences life, which is like rambunctious young boys that have just, you know, young boys are like puppies. They're, they're dumb and they got a lot of energy and they're jumping all over the place all the time. And they want to fight and roll around and play and, and mess around. That's what they do. You know what I mean? And, and I speak from personal experience, you know, from when I was a kid and, and how we were, and I'm sure you, you as well. So, you know, these are, these are things that are natural. So if, you know, if we know that now, again, the unnatural part of it is, okay, how much time are they spending in front of the computer playing violent video games? How much sugar are they eating? Are they drinking, you know, loads of caffeine? You know, what's going on in the family life? What's, you know, those are the unnatural things that might be contributing to even more, you know, distress and a, maybe a level of anxiety that isn't just that natural sort of rambunctious kid energy. 
So, you know, so that's where you got to kind of be able to separate the separate the two out. And that's what that's what Manly Hall talks about, you know, kind of having this more mystical attitude and being in alignment with the natural order of things. One would notice that, okay, that's something kids naturally do. There's a sort of a continuum. And now they make if they go way off the spectrum of the continuum, then, yeah, you might want to take a look at it. But if there's if they're kind of in this normal boundary of teenage or kid-like behavior it's nothing to worry about now if it continues you know into the into later ages when they're supposed to be more developed then yeah maybe you need to look at it but you, you know what i'm saying it's not to jump right to the conclusion that oh my god i've got to run to the doctor because you know because my son's hyperactive or something like that every once in a while he wants to run around and play and not do his homework it's it's, it's not it's no mystery why a kid doesn't want to do his homework because it's not well, fun. These problems are ancient. They're ancient. You know, Socrates' students had these problems. Yeah. They were restless and wouldn't pay attention, and exactly, and things like that. So, but what's different now is that we don't use quite as a natural, harmonious, common sense way of managing mm -hmm. these things that were actually seen as normal. But what you would have is activities. You would have you know assigned roles. To certain people, oh, okay, well, you're restless and rambunctious. Okay, why don't you go off with the hunting uh, crew mm -hmm. when they mm -hmm. go off on their three-day hunt? Let's see how rambunctious you are, you know? And then yeah. they're given rules and limits within which they can run around and play and do all this. Sure. Set the limits, set the boundaries. So it was allowed to express itself, but not in a way that would hurt themselves or others. I think that was more, you know, the tribe. Absolutely. Absolutely. It and and participate sense. in that, you know? Well, there were, uh, but there were ways. bad behavior wasn't rewarded. No, um, it wasn't no. you know turned away, or it wasn't tr you know they weren't trying to squash it and saying well you shouldn't think or feel these things like no, oh you channeled. think and feel that well it's channeled yeah. into constructive ends and that's where it's like this is why you know this is my endless rant about if you know you're gonna you're gonna have these kids in school that like to fight they just like to fight there's kids that are just you know they're they've got there's boys especially some girls but mostly boys that um, just have a lot of energy, a lot of testosterone. And, you know, what, for whatever reason, grew up in a specific environment where they just, they enjoy fighting. They're, they're good at it. They like it. You know, instead of putting that kid in reform school or something, you know, put him into a boxing program, an MMA program, a wrestling program, martial arts, let him harness it and let him, let him work it out in a, in a constructive way, instead of trying to crush it out of him with, you know, with some kind of punishments or drugs or, you know, therapy or something. And they may, they, maybe they do need therapy, but it's over the top. But I'm saying, you know, some of the stuff that's just sort of natural and that certain people, you know, and, and then you're going to have other people, like, for example, who are just super introverted, very studious. They just want to read. They want to be left alone, you know, and, you know, they're, they're going to naturally be, you know, your scientists, your writers, your investigators and so on. You know, they're going to move in that direction. If you encourage them in a direction that they're kind of already moving in, and then as they get older, encourage them to kind of, you know, exercise some of the some of the abilities that are outside of their normal stuff, you know, so they can be more well-rounded. But, you know, you're, you're right. Like traditional societies definitely, and even, you know, early, early society, you know, even, you know, European society and stuff had more of a, a system of dealing with those kinds of things, you know, you could kind of channel that energy. You could, you, you could go out hunting or, you know, you might, you know, maybe, you know, if you want to go way back, you know, you, you know, if you really were had that warrior spirit, you know, you aspire to be a knight or something like that, you know, and it wasn't looked on as something negative. It was looked on as something that had to be channeled properly. Uh, so again, there's that natural order that, that the mystic is looking for the natural order. I want to read a quote. That natural order. Oh, uh -huh. I just want to throw this in. Yeah, no, please. Is that he, uh, he says, nature is always ready for storms and emergencies, but not for chronic ones. So, mm, exactly. like a storm that can come in and, you know, wipe out a village or something like that. In a couple of days, it actually returns to normal. Uh, the people in, you know, some, you know, living situations might be, uh, you know, under stress, but even after a tornado goes through, it's a nice, the natural state is calm. It's not chronically tornadoes and nature can handle small ones. Uh, yeah. And that's why we need to see these things as, as smallish, you know, but we get through them and then return back to the, the natural state. That's a great not point. Not the chronic state. 
Well, and then I think and then that's that's kind of a guide for us. So like when we're looking at, you know, kids behavior and stuff, for example, our own behavior or whatever and trying to kind of judge um, and discern like some truth and clarity of it, you know, you look and see, okay, well, look, is this a chronic condition that's like over the top or is it something that's cropping up at times that seems natural for this person's age or natural to the situation that's occurring, for example? You know, whether or not it's an, it's an emergency or if the kid, for example, might be acting up because the parents are going through some rough times and are, you know, planning on getting a divorce, things like that. I mean, that all makes sense, right? But if something's chronic and it doesn't seem to have a cause and there's like massive amounts of anxiety or depression or isolation, then you, you have to look at that stuff. But that's not in the natural order of things. That's something that's that's going on that, you know, that needs to be that needs to be addressed. So. Let me read this little thing, uh, this little quote, because I like this one. Uh, And then we're going to talk about some principles, some principles of mysticism and health. Uh, So this is uh, is from page 12 from this pamphlet, the version that I have. Uh, Manly Hall says, The mystics, sensing that there was a divine order in things, and this, this order was great enough to neutralize the negative and destructive forces of contemporary affairs, tried to prove this spiritual truth to themselves to themselves and then he says the principal instrument of mysticism is the ability to release ourselves from doubt to relax in the condition in which we are at at the moment placed fully aware that this condition is ever changing the mystic is always aware that regardless of the problems he faces these in their time will pass away the Bible says this too shall pass. Uh, so that, that idea is that there's, you know, there's a, you're, you're connecting yourself to faith. You're neutralizing the negative and destructive forces through a sense of faith and a sense of the divine order of things. That's kind of one of these core attitudes that a mystic has. Um, All right, so let us take a look then at these principles of mysticism that he speaks about. Well, that's a good point you just made about the difference between a lot of us now feel Mm -hmm. like chaos and disorder is the natural state. And then we either have to rely on ourselves and our own thinking to fix it, which we can't, or rely on leaders and scientists and government people who are also inadequate. Yeah, uh, And then there comes all this tension, this stress, this fear, this doubt from which the sickness rise because of this chaotic. And as opposed to a mystic does see things as an ordered universe, that there is an order and a structure and an operator, <laughs> so yeah. to speak, um, that, that has, has good things in mind. Yeah, exactly. There used to be an old saying, and he actually mentioned this in the in the book: "God is in His heavens, and everything is all right with the world." And that's something that you could almost use as an as an affirmation: "God is in His heavens, and all is right with the world." You know, we realize there is a there is a divine order to things, and you know there is a divine spirit behind all of it, and in and through all of it that has a specific order and has has meaning and ultimate justice at its at its heart. And if you can connect to that idea, you know, it gives you a great amount of faith that even if you're working through challenges and in, in, in injustices and difficulties, you, you realize that ultimately the universe is just and ultimately it, it does it does have order to it. You know, but you do have to shift away from a a more materialist, you know, scientism point of view, which would tell you that the universe is just kind of this random, you know, happenstance thing that, you know, just luckily kind of came into an an existence and just happened to evolve into the state that it is today um, without any kind of underlying order or or creation to it. Fair enough. I mean, that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to believe one thing or the other, but really what Manly Hall is saying is that a belief in the order and a belief in the fact that God is, you know, is behind all of it and is ordering things, even if it's not like, you know, some, you know, some manager in the sky that's ordering things out according to how we would like them have, you know, like things to happen, but, but that there is a, a sort of, 
sense of order to the whole thing on a on a macro level let's say the laws of nature, uh, the laws, the laws exactly, of the universe. Exactly. Laws of mathematics or physics. We yeah. rely on those and those are universal and they are ordering. Yeah. It does help us manage the world. So even even this ordered state um, or ordered principles really are in our sciences. Uh, yeah, true, if true. We look at them true. as mystical or rely on them for you know yeah. personal issues. Um, Which, again, is not but, to knock yeah. science, what I'm saying, you know, because science does obviously know. recognize these laws and so on. Um, but, you know, a mystic would go beyond that and say there's, you know, there's purpose and there's order to all this and there's a there's a first cause behind it. Um, OK, so let us look at this. Uh, also, you know, speaking of that, so, it, you know, speaking of all that, those principles, those laws and all that stuff, there's also, you know, there is also that personal connection and there is that that mystical connection that we're going to, we're going to talk about in a moment whereby, you know, you can transcend some of those laws in a sense um, through your divine union uh, with, with God uh, so that you, you know, you can actually have miraculous quote unquote things occur in your life because of this, this divine connection that you've achieved. Uh, And that's a mystical principle. So, let me just start this. The principles of mysticism that bear particularly upon health problems are rather simple and not too numerous. The first essential principle is the eternal presence of God in everything. In other words, deity is not a remote being seated upon a throne of judgment. Deity is the ever-present life, love, wisdom that is available to us in the very air we breathe. And that would seem, seem to contradict that God is in his heavens and you know all is right with the world, but it's really saying both, you know, God is in all and is all. And, you know, we live and move and have our being in God, as Paul said. Uh, so, you know, and that's a, that's a principle. He's saying this is a mystical principle. And you want to try to remind yourself of this and contemplate this as you go throughout your day and recognize that that God is in everything. Even And, you know, Manly Hall points out, too, it's, it's difficult sometimes to discern and to see God and in, in, in the divine in certain situations or certain people. But, you know, we have to do the hard work to, to, to discover that spirit in that, that seeming evil condition or whatever. And, you know, he uses a great story um, that, he, that he talks about in terms – actually, that's later. I'm sorry. Let's get into that after that. Uh, tell us a little bit because – are you on uh, 17? Yes. Okay, why don't you read uh, that second point of mysticism? We'll talk a little bit more about that because that first one's pretty self-explanatory. Let's get into the second yeah, point. Yeah, the first one being the omnipresent. God is everywhere in things and out, outward things. The second point of mysticism is that the search for the God in things is the search for the God value in things. And what is our term for the God value in anything? Our term for that is good. Therefore, we are eternally and inevitably seeking the good in the particular problem, project, circumstance, or person. So, yes, God, you can be good. Uh, it's a good way to uh, uh, use that word if it's, if it's not comfortable or if it conjures up the old man on the throne controlling everything in a judgmental kind of way. It's the good. And that may be really a challenge to find the good in something. Uh, in crises, situations, in emergencies, in disasters, we always see a good Samaritan, um, a volunteer, somebody sacrificing or risking something to save another person. You know, they say people are at their best when things are at their worst. Mm. Uh, and that can definitely come through in what are otherwise very difficult situations. My question is like, well, why can't we be like that all the time? And <laughs> we have to yeah. wait for, you know, some tragedy or something to, yeah. to come together as a community and make things yeah, better. Right. It's like, well, aren't they bad enough already? Like, can't yeah, we just make them, even if they're good, let's make them better. I you agree. Know, why wait? That's fantastic. Um, but I think that that would be the mystical, the mystical, mystical idea, wouldn't yeah. it? It's like, okay, let's, let's, pre- let's preemptively look for the good. Let's preemptively, you know, try to make things better before the disaster. Good point. Uh, so that little story that I was going to uh, say, I'll just I'll just read through it. Uh, this is this is actually and I did some research on this because I had actually read this story in another book. And then the day that I read this, uh, the, this um, this pamphlet in study for the show, 
uh, I came up, I came up with this same, same little story. So it's kind of an interesting uh, coincidence or synchronicity. So uh, Manley Hall points out, we remember the account in one of the apocryphal gospels. Actually, this is from a Muslim story and, and from Persian uh, Muslim sources. Um, so, I mean, it's, an, it's apocryphal, but it's not specifically one of the gospels as far as I could tell. Uh, but I'm going to do some more research on it. So anyway, Jesus is walking down the road with his disciples and they come to the decaying carcass of a dead dog. One of the disciples makes the remark that it's a very horrible sight. And the master turns and rebukes him saying, pearls are not whiter than its teeth. And then Manly Hall says, this is the point to find the good. So Jesus in this particular, you know, in this particular saying, actually the, the story is a little, it's a little, it's a little bit bigger. Actually, some of the disciples say, oh my gosh, it's, you know, this smells so horrible and it's such a disgusting sight and it's so revolting and it turns with this, that, and the other thing. And so they all had something to complain about. And then Jesus, Jesus says, pearls are not whiter than its teeth. And he finds the one thing in there that actually, you know, is beautiful. Uh, so, you know, and that can be difficult again in, in, in a gruesome scene, like a decaying dog in the street, uh, you know, here Jesus finds this, this, this sort of beauty to, to, to point out. Um, and again, it's, it's a challenging thing. Like you said, in the midst of, of difficulties, in the midst of disasters, in the midst of death to find, to find some beautiful thing or find some good in it. But that's the, you know, that's the mystical challenge, you know, mysticism, uh, is, is a challenging road, but it ultimately leads to a place of, of, of connection and wholeness, um, so it's worth it's worth the effort to look for the good in things. Um, when you know well, when people are complaining and, and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, even when things seem bad, you know, bad on the surface, like rancid meat or you know spoiled meat, milk, it's like, oh my god, that smells terrible. Ew. It's like, well, be glad for that. Ew, smells terrible because yeah. otherwise you would have eaten that yeah. horrible yeah. You know, disease meat, or or you would have sure. uh, drank the uh, the spoiled milk. Then you would have been sick. Yeah, so, or they, they put sulfur in gas lines, natural gas lines, on purpose. Uh, oh, you smell gas. It smells like rotten eggs. Um, gas, unfortunately, doesn't smell like anything, natural gas, LP gas. So that's actually put in at the company. Um, yeah. They, they add this smell so that you can smell the bad thing and therefore go, yeah. oh, my gosh, a gas leak. Let's shut off the main or get out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not So die. there's wisdom. Yeah. There's... there's um, you know, a gift sometimes in, in these seemingly, you know, gross things or not so beautiful in the sure. standard sense. Um, but, they, but they're there to help. They're there to, you know, watch over you and uh, protect you. Yeah. And you may not know what those things are clearing out or what they're making room for or what, you know, what the purpose is down the road or, or whatever. And it's, so it's, you know, for us to kind of judge with the limited point of view that we have, uh, oftentimes is, you know, is not, uh, is not appropriate because we can't see the big picture. We don't know how all these things fit together and how they may be working for the good of, of, of the, the whole or something, you know, uh, even though it's inconvenient or destructive or, or, you know, painful for us at that moment. So, you know, give God the benefit of the doubt, I guess, is, is, is another way of looking at it. So, uh, let me finish this up and then we'll get into the third rule. So, in, so Manley Hall says, in thinking of this from a mystical standpoint, then we say that we discover the good, which is the God in things. And we learn that it is good because it produces good. It produces peace and happiness in our lives. It makes us more companionable people. It serves our fortunes better than any of the attitudes that we have previously taken. So that's, that's how he feels about looking for the good in things that we discover the God in things when we look for the good. So, all right, so the third rule, do you want to read the first portion of that and then we'll talk about mm -hmm. that on page 19? The third rule that mysticism strongly emphasizes is that the experience of God as a fact, what we call the mystical experience, is the final consummation of man's acceptance of God and realization of the good. So this is taking those first two principles and adding them together. One is sort of the fact of God, um, you know, running the universe, that there is a you know, order, a benevolent order to things, and then having this um, experience is the 
not only just noticing it, but noticing it working in your life. This is when you take the medicine. This is when you eat the food. Uh, this is, it's demonstrating its fact because, not because you believe in it or because you heard about it or read about it or think it's a good idea, uh, but because you saw it, you felt it, it happened in your life. And um, yeah, that's which the, uh, the, the that's full a realizations um, of that. And then it's the fruit. It's the bearing the, the fruit. It's not just the seed. It's not just the cultivation. It's then what does it what does it bear? This is the fruit that those first two principles um, coming together um, give you is this experience. Yeah, exactly. And so it's one of these things, though, where, you know, it's something that you've got to put into practice in your life in order to see it bear bear the fruit. You know, you can't just kind of know about it or have read it you know, you really do need to put these, these principles uh, into action, you know, and look for the good and fill your heart with love and, you know, be, uh, have your mind on the divine at all times and, and, and all, and and these sorts of ideas so that it becomes a way of life. You know, you, 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 you just sort of saturate yourself in that, in that spiritual uh, environment in a sense um, and then, you know, what Manley Hall says about this here is that um, he points out that we know that in one way or another, religious experience and mystical experience have played their parts in health. A great deal of spiritual healing has been accomplished through the time and history of the world. Shrines of religious healing have always existed and where faith and devotion were great. Miracles apparently occurred. So the person who becomes truly and completely aware of this presence, aware of this presence of the divine principle in his life, in his life does seemingly enjoy miracles because something of importance takes place that changes the entire structure of his pattern of living. And that's what he means by, you know, mysticism, you know, the whole structure of your being is, you know, is, is changed. And, and how does this happen? You know, how does this happen? It happens through your change in behavior, change in character, uh, contemplation, meditation, prayer, um, you know, but mostly he stresses these practical things, how we treat other people in the natural order of things. Are we kind? Are we trying to be good? Are we, are we trying to serve others? You know, and he asks, you know, it asks a lot of the mystic, you know, this, this path of the would-be mystic, you know, because you've got to also examine your own heart and how you're approaching people. And you've got to ask yourself, well, what is my intention here is this something i'm doing because i'm looking to get something out of it is there some benefit in it for me or am i genuinely trying to serve selflessly in this situation you know and if we ask ourselves that question during the day before we do things before we take actions you know we might make different choices you know what is my motivation here is it for the greater good or is it for my own ego and my own enrichment you know and those, those are two different motivations. And they can even be, you know, somewhat mixed together. You know, you could have some, some motivations that are mixed. You know, it's for the greater good and for, you know, you're going to get a benefit out of it. But, but you need to at least be aware of that, what your motivations are, right? Well, yeah, he says here, the moment someone is unkind to us, examine ourselves and not the other person. Yeah. You know, and that's this mystical approach. I like calling it a pr- an approach. An approach. It's how you how you're looking at the lens through which you see, you know, your attitude going in. If you see somebody as a bully or a real jerk, instead of saying, well, what an asshole or boy, I hate that, you know, person. Yeah. yeah. Um, they shouldn't do that. You know, well, maybe they did do something wrong, but a mystic might say, yeah, wow, that's terrible. That's horribly wrong. I wonder what's going on. So, so bad in this person's life that needs healed mm-hmm. to where they wouldn't have to act like that. Sure. You know, it's it's a symptom of of something's wrong somewhere, and so you would devote your energy towards you know, boy, I sure hope that person you know can heal or find find their own peace of mind because they're making life difficult for everyone else in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a different approach to maybe send some good thoughts, not yep. reward bad behavior, but privately, quietly, and that is a mystical approach. That it's a sign if you're noticing it, mm-hmm. it's a sign that this person is out of balance. And also then, you know, like you're saying, to look at yourself. And yeah. That's really what a mystic or an alchemist or a healer, um, you know, a lot of that takes place in your own consciousness, in your own life. 
And it's through examining that. Well, okay, somebody really upset me. They said the wrong thing. They didn't do what they were said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. I feel betrayed. I feel like I'm not being listened to. And I'm angry and I'm upset. Well, what's my part in it? <laughs> you know, those yeah. things might be true, but a missive will say, well, mm, maybe I sent off the wrong signal. Maybe I wasn't clear. Uh, maybe there's a different way I can approach this. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, like training an animal or something. If you just beat them with a stick, they'll fear you, but they might not, you know, jump through the hoops or do the tricks or whatever you're trying to train them to do. Uh, there might be a different way. Or if you're just spoiling them rotten and giving your dog treats all the time, even when they don't sit up and beg or whatever, um, you're rewarding bad behavior. So it may be that you're not as good an animal trainer, or you may need to learn a new technique. Yeah. And it's often what we bring to a situation or in a relationship um, that can really have an effect on how the other person treats us. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's getting your own house in order too, isn't it? It's saying, okay, let me take this, let me take this beam out of my eye before I try to get the speck out of someone else's eye also, you know, it's that second level of that too, is, is looking at, you know, what am I contributing to the situation? Do I have my, my stuff in order before I'm trying to correct someone else and things like that as well. Right. So, all right. So let's kind of wrap this up now. We're going to look at, so some of the big principles we looked at, the idea of natural order and a natural kind of order of health, put yourself in accord with the natural order of life. And you're going to have, you're going to find that health spontaneously occurs much more frequently. That's our first kind of idea. The second is get, try to get rid of as much tension and stress as you can in your life. And that means, you know, taking a different attitude towards life, um, making time to, you know, have prayer and contemplation and meditation time, do things that are relaxing, take a more relaxed attitude towards life and understand that, you know, part of, part of how we experience life, well, the greatest part of how we experience life comes from within. So it's the choices that we make within and how we're going to react to those things, how we're going to respond to those things uh, that occur. And just taking a general attitude of a more relaxed kind of way of being and a ten, you know, a le- and having less tension in general is going to make a great, great amount of difference in our life. And then we looked at those three principles of mysticism. Uh, the first one was the eternal presence of, of deity, the eternal presence of the divine in everything. So if you kind of try to keep that in mind and practice that on a daily basis, contemplate that as, you know, looking at a flower, looking at a tree, looking at a dog, looking at your child, you know, sitting in traffic, thinking about, you know, the divine nature of of the whole interconnected experience of life. Um, That's something to think about. Um, And then the second thing is, uh, is the search for God in things is the search for the God value in things. What is our term for the God value in anything? Our term for that is good. So in other words, look for the good, right? Uh, You have anything to add to that? Uh, Well, that becomes one of the the great challenges because it's so easy to pick out a problem or to criticize a a behavior. Uh, Social media really helps us (laughs) make that even easier. Sure. Uh, to lash out. And it is hard to find the good. And it might be, you know, buried very deeply, but it's not Pollyanna either. You're not just closing your eyes saying, oh, everything's good when it's not. Uh, there might be 90% bad <laughs> in a situation, but there might be that one, you know, percent or 10%, you know, that could be good or a challenge or a problem always forces us to look at things in a new way and then grow. And growth in a positive direction. Uh, in a useful way is always good. So that's one way you could look at a problem as a challenge that allows you to grow, not to beat you over the head with a stick. And I'm going to teach you this lesson. It's like, how can I grow through this experience? Maybe in such a way that the next time something like this comes up, uh, I won't be so hurt by it or I'll know how to manage myself in a situation. There was something too, I completely forgot to mention this. So I wrote this down in a, in a, in a note um, and I'm not, I don't have the exact quote for it, but it, it, Manley Hall said, you know, 
look at your belief too. If you genuinely have a belief in, in God and the divine, you ask yourself, you know, is, is, is this how a person who believes in God would react or would act? You know, you kind of question yourself and think, okay, look, I say, I believe, and I say that there's, you know, an underlying order to the universe. And I, and I, you know, I, I think that I believe in, 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 in the divine being and so on, you know, and then you ask yourself, well, in this particular situation, am I reacting internally as if I believe in God? It's an interesting thing to look at. So you might want to, you know, kind of, kind of question. So, or is it, you know, if it just look at your, you know, if I, if, you, if I think that I'm a good person, let's say, for example, is this the way that a good person would act? Is this the way that a good person would treat someone else? Um, things like that, you know, so you can kind of, you can kind of make sure that your principles and your beliefs are in alignment with your, your, your attitudes and your actions in your life. And that can really help you heal internally, both physically and mentally. And that's really what this whole thing is about is how this mystical attitude puts us in alignment with proper health so that we don't get sick. We don't get mentally ill. We don't get spiritually, you know, knocked down. Um, you know, it keeps us in a state of, of health, keeps us in a state of health. So that final third rule of mysticism uh, emphasizes really the experience of God as a fact. What we call the mystical experience, Manley Hall says, is the final consummation of man's acceptance of God and realization of the good. The soul has learned to love truth, to love beauty, and to love God, yearns to have the vital experience of that which it has silently and devoutly practiced. And that creates a, a general state of health in all of its, in all that meaning, wholeness, like you were talking about. Health is wholeness. All right. So I am. Going and health to... is relaxed. Health is. It is relaxed. And away from the tension and tension is caused by the fears and the uncertainties and the disappointments and the expectations and the wishes unfulfilled that the world seems to throw at us so much. That's a very large part of what's causing some of this poor health is this constant state of tension. And of course, one of the great mystical practices of all is meditation, this contemplation or relaxation of the mind, a separation from yourself and some of your, the thought streams that's, you know, going through you and relax away and let God run the universe for a while. Okay. Maybe, maybe the planets will revolve around the sun without your participation or approval, um, you know, and, and to trust in that, Yeah. Um, that there is a larger order. There are larger forces at work that are generally good. I might not see it right now, uh, but if I can at least believe that that's happening it may be in the distant background, mm -hmm. uh, but then my problems and therefore my tensions aren't so great because I'm involved with this other larger part of myself as well as the universe that can take care of these things much better than I. Very good. All right. Let me wrap this up with um, a final, the final two uh, paragraphs from this book. We'll just let Manley Hall speak for himself. Each person must come Finally, to obey those laws of life and nature that tell us that we must be kindly, good, truthful, relaxed, and patient. We must also learn why these roles are better for us and why out of doing things kindly and well, we assure the collective growth of the whole world and ultimately bring to peace all the dissensions and discords of men. Little by little, the world will be saved by the life within man, which is the God life in him, and as this life is given an opportunity to rule and man rescues his career from the dictates and tyrannies of his mental and emotional intensities, we will have peace in the world. But it will come as a result of each one of us finding it in ourselves and living accordingly. It will come as a result of each one of us finding it in ourselves and living accordingly. So in the end, a mystic is trying to change his or herself within and the greater goal of that is to change the world outside. And on that note, we are going to wrap it up today. Thank you again for joining us. Um, did you have anything else to add, or are you? I can't say anything good? beyond what uh, well, Manley Hall. I just said. Yeah, uh... <laughs> we just kind of let him.
Take us on out. So be kindly, good, truthful, relaxed, and patient. There you go. There's your, there's your, there's your, exactly. There's your, there's your mystical affirmation. So in, and speaking of that, we, we pray for everyone out there that they're healthy and happy and, you know, connecting to the divine within themselves and without, and that uh, we're speaking a word of health and peace and light and love for everyone out there. It's challenging times right now, but we're going to, we're going to move forward and we're going to be all the better for it. Uh, take this mystical path and this mystical information and work within and do what you can. And we'll, we'll all, we'll all be able to change the world for the better uh, with these, with these great attitudes and with these words of wisdom from Mr. Hall. Mysticism and mental healing was our topic today. Manly P. Hall. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we are here every Sunday and of course we're here on Friday as well with an Emmett Fox Friday show. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you for all of you who support us. Please, uh, uh, like us, share us on social media, rate us on, uh, on iTunes and so on that helps us. Uh, and if you can support us, uh, at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye with a monthly donation, it can be anywhere from uh, 99 cents to, to, to $9 and 99 cents, uh, whatever you want to give there. Um, and check out Chris's book, The Spirit in the Sky, that's on Amazon or at chrissheridan.com. My book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, Amazon or CosmicEye.org. Thanks again. Uh, have a, a great rest of the weekend uh, and a wonderful week coming up um, filled with blessings and light and love. Uh, goodbye and God bless.